Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's the 23rd of December, 1991. A blizzard falls over Stockholm, keeping its traffic to a standstill. A hundred kilometres away, a car has crashed in a ditch, and three bank robbers are fleeing from it. The police don't know the identities of the men they're chasing. But Stefan Thunberg did. Hi, uh, my name is Stefan Thunberg. I'm uh, the co-author of uh, The Father. I'm also a screenwriter in Sweden. But most of all, I'm the fourth brother who follow robbery after robbery from the inside. Hi, I'm Anders Roslund, um, co-author of The Father. Today I'm a best-selling author. But back then, when all this happened, I was still a TV reporter at the biggest news station in Sweden. And it was my job to cover this three-year-long period of brutal madness. Together they are Anton Svensson. And this is Made in Sweden, the six-part podcast about the incredible true story that inspired their novel, The Father. I'm Ed Wood, and this is a family tale like no other. Episode 2, Joining a Gang. In the first part of Made in Sweden, we heard about four brothers who grew up in the shadow of a violent father and learnt criminal culture that would come out in the gang they formed a decade later. Here I've got one of those brothers, Stefan, who wasn't part of the gang. So how did your brothers go from being construction workers in a family business to being bank robbers? In the beginning of the 90s, it was a very bad economical situation in Stockholm, in Sweden. My brother started this construction company and my younger brother was uh, coming to him, start working for him. In the beginning, it went well, you know, uh, plenty of jobs and things like that. But then the job uh, uh, get uh, fewer and fewer. And, uh, you know, as a gang, my youngest brother was uh, uh, Vincent. Uh, he was uh, 17 years old. And my oldest, Leo, he was uh, 23 or 22 in reality. And they had this company and they had not so much job. And they start, you know, as you do in that age talking about what can we do somebody make a joke about if we had weapons we could rob a bank and my experience is that a lot of young men are talking about things like this uh, but everybody don't take the step and do it but I think 
my oldest brother, he is that kind of guy who, when he hears uh, a joke like that, he say, okay, let's do it. Maybe when you're 10, not when you're 20. Now, maybe, but, you know, we are maybe not so uh, mature in Sweden. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but they did. In that company, on a Friday, over a beer and a pizza, they talk about, can we make a hit? Where can we get weapons? Where can we make hits? Where, where can we, you know, rob a bank? You know, start talking, small words in the beginning. Maybe joke, I don't know. But if you have, a, like my oldest brother Leo in the book, and he sit with, at that table and somebody say, make a joke about to rob a bank, for example. And my oldest brother say, let's do it. Because that's the way he is. He's the one who say, let's do it. Do you see what I mean? It, it's Because everybody can talk about it. But he, was, he would always do things. Yeah, maybe he was tired of... His... But you weren't there. No, because I was always welcome to my brother because we had this uh, strong bonds between us. So I could always come to my... Uh, oldest brother's apartment in in Stockholm, you know, the door was always open for me. Did you feel like an outsider though? Yeah, in, in sort, but you know, I didn't want to be a carpenter you, and I want to be an artist. So I, in the beginning, I didn't know that they talk about Rob Banks, but you know, one day I, I remember when I understand that, I, I start to hear them talk about to really do it. And you know, for me, it was not the question of you know, talk with him and say, don't do that, because that was not the way we were, you know, that was not the, the way we were close to each other. We didn't talk about, you know, don't do that, brother. If you want to do that, do it. But Even criminal acts? Yes, because, it, you know, for us it was not, not like the normal and the abnormal was so close to each other because the childhood, the, the, how we had grown up, I think. It's, it, do you see what I mean? The, the influence of your father. Yeah, uh, and, and, and the circumstances. And this was in 1990 we're Nine, talking about? Uh, no, 90, yeah, ni- 90s, the 91. Uh, 91. Yes. So in 1991, your brothers carried out their first robbery. Yes. This hit on an armoured car. Yes. And that's something incredibly vividly described in the novel. Yeah. Let's hear some of that now. You open door. It takes three seconds to empty 30 bullets out of the magazine of a submachine gun. The five shots through the van window that Jasper had just fired took half a second, but it had felt so much longer. You open or you die. Leo stood on the bonnet of the van with his gun aimed at the security guard in the driver's seat while Jasper beat the muzzle of the submachine gun against the partially broken safety glass until the second guard, who was lying on the floor, lifted his arms over his head. Samuelson looked at Lindayen, at his neck, at the blood flowing from it. He'd never thought about how red blood is when it's fresh. He'd got up, arms above his head, opened the door on the passenger side and let in the masked man from the bonnet of the van who now stood inside the cab aiming a gun against his temple and speaking in broken English, asking him to unlock the safe. He tried to explain, but he couldn't find the words, not in English. He wanted to explain that from now on the safe door was locked and that it could only be opened with a code held at headquarters. 
He searched for words that just weren't there, while the masked man listened and waited, so quiet and restrained. Not like the other one with the desperate voice who'd fired through the window. This was the face that made the decisions. That was clear, even as the muzzle pressed a little harder against his temple. Lindean was slumped down in the driver's seat, blood running down his neck. The hand, the hand that belonged to that self-controlled face, searched through the pockets of Samuelson's trousers, jacket and shirt, searching for and then finding his keys. And the desperate one screamed and shoved the gun against his chest. Start, engine! The muzzle of the gun moved from his forehead to his mouth, into it. You start, or I shoot! The gun was between his lips and against his tongue as he leaned against the keypad, four digits needed to start the engine. I kill! I kill! I kill! Samuelson's hand had lost all feeling, his fingers hard to manoeuvre as he punched in the code, turned the key and started the truck again. Jasper drove slowly up the steep loading ramp and across the pavement towards the turning area and the car park exit. No one had noticed five shots muffled by the walls surrounding the loading bay and then disintegrating into the soundscape of the city. A few metres up from the loading ramp, life went on as if nothing had happened. Hearing that, Stefan, does it still shock you, the level of violence that your brothers were able to use? You don't understand the level of violence if you aren't there in the moment, I think. I remember, for example, when I come home to my oldest brother that night after the armed truck hit. I remember I come into the living room and I saw the telly was on. And on the telly, they reported about this armed car. And in the same time, they talk about that robbery. You know, they talked about these intensive minutes in that car. So I come into the living room and I saw on the telly and I hear them talk about it. And in, in one way, I feel outside because they have done something that I haven't done. So I just listen to them and I feel outside in some way. And in that moment when I could hear them talk about it and I could feel the adrenaline in the room and, you know, and, and, and they were so... Lifted. lifted. They were up. Up of it. They were high on the adrenaline and the violence and I could feel and I could remember that I really wanted to be a part of that. To feel that highness, that adrenaline after and be a part of this, you know, this group. And you talk about the TV report. People presumably all around Sweden were watching these reports yes. about a, a gang having robbed an armoured car. And Anders Rosland, you were a TV news reporter covering crime at that time. I was covering crime at this particular time when it all changed in Sweden, those intense years when we faced new types of crimes, new types of criminals that we were not prepared for and had to deal with. And me working with that, that was, I was in the middle, in the heart. This was the time when we create, the gangs were created uh, there was one gang, only one gang, Hells Angels, and then there was another one, Bandidos. We had two gangs. And 
But with all that problems in the early 90s with the economics and uh, we had uh, suburbs full of people uh, without jobs, uh, the unemployment was more than 50%. Uh, more than 50% of, of the ninth graders were finishing school without grades. And uh, so there were more gangs created at that point. Not those two. If you couldn't belong to Hells Angels or Baditas, you had to create your own gang. This was the time when this happened, and the reports about this was on my behalf. It was also the time when we, for the first time, saw a man walking around the Stockholm streets, actually shooting and killing other people night after night if they were immigrants. Uh, we had to deal with that, and it created a lot of questions in society because we were the role model. It was the time when we saw our first modern mass murder. It was a morning when uh, a man, in a, after a fight of really started with jealousy, killed seven people, and that sort of shook our nation. It was the time just a few weeks after when a man firing widely among him at Stureplan, which is where everybody meet at night, uh, having a good night, at, and killed a lot of people. And that was the time when we saw this group, the faceless group of bank robbers. Another kind of crime we had never seen before, was not prepared for, but demanded us to, 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 to sort of understand what was going on. And that was my job to report about that. And did you understand them? Did you, did you, you say they're entirely new. Uh, the, did the, you understand what they were about, where they were coming from? No, they were raising the bar for violence forever. Uh, sort of the criminal act was sort of uh, considered a new thing. So facing all those new types of crimes and new criminals in such an intense period, two, three year long, uh, the gangs... Uh, mobilizing the laser man killing immigrants, our first mass murder. Uh, we also, for the first time, saw the tracks of these faceless bank robbers that for three years should sort of hold our nation at ransom, the whole country. And that was a group of bank robbers known slowly as the Military League. Uh, uh, and they were unlike everything we had seen since they raised the bar of violence. And they did that with weapons nobody knew were were out there because they began the long trip uh, shaking our fears with, with uh, blowing up an entrance to a military armory and committing Northern Europe's largest weapons haste ever, stealing 221 automatic weapons. And they did that so cleverly that it was discovered uh, like... I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying <laughs> to pretend that I don't right Hold now. it in. Hold and our current faves. Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. 
and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Six months later. Yeah, but I really want to go back a little bit to, to that first time when I come home to my brother. And when, when they have done their first hit against this armed truck. Because I want to talk about that moment a little bit more. Because this was, you know, the, yeah, the first yeah. time they did it, you know. And I could feel the, what, what I talked about uh, earlier was that I could feel the feeling in the living room. You know, hear them talking and I, 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 they had crossed this line together. And I just sit there listening and feeling left out in some kind of way. But I could... I remember one of them took out this empty fishbowl and put it on the table. And they took the, uh, the money from the hit and put it into the fishbowl. And one of them said that one million don't take a special uh, big uh, place. You can fill a fishbowl with one million kroner. You know, it's, so, and in that moment, I could even feel uh, the disappointment. The disappointment of them not taking as much money as they could have. Because inside that truck, uh, behind uh, um, a sealed door, uh, they had to leave like 9 million kroner uh, because they couldn't force that door in, because they hadn't time, enough time to do that. So they had to leave this uh, 8, 9 millions uh, together with these two traumatized guards and uh, escape from the police. In that moment, I realized that they're going to rob a bank again. They're going to rob again and again and again till they come over the, the, the big money, the big hit, you know, like 20, 25 millions. Because that was the goal of this, you know, to make a lot of money and then disappear from the criminal uh, map uh, forever. And nobody should know anything about it. Keep it in the family, make one, two, three hits, disappear. That was the plan. And did the media, did the police know this was the start of something at the time? What did you think as a TV reporter that night? That night was a very violent hit and it was uh, an unusual hit, but it was just one hit against one arm truck and nobody had a clue that they would, this would continue, uh, was supposed to be added to other hits. And what did you feel? Personally, were you scared? Were you interested as a reporter? As a reporter, you sort of always... uh, I think police officers and reporters are sort of the same. Uh, Something happens, uh, 
at the TV station or at the journalistic place, when a bad thing happened, people are sort of happy. <laughs> and that's not because they're crazy people. It's suddenly the work has a purpose. And you have to inform, to report about this as good as you can, because the audience out there needs uh, information. They need information and they need to understand. So suddenly you have a purpose, so you feel some sort of energy. And that energy is the same energy as a police officer feels chasing a, a, a bad guy. Uh, because they, we are all waiting for good or bad stuff. And, and unfortunately, it's often bad stuff that kicks uh, our, our you know, souls. And this is coming out of a situation where uh, you mentioned there'd been immigration from Yugoslavia, where there was civil war at the time. There was, there was essentially a, a troubled feeling in Sweden at that moment. It was becoming more dangerous. Did, it, did that first robbery feel like part of that to you, Anders? Or did it feel like a, a one-off? Did it feel like part of a pattern of crime or as a one-off? At that point, it was just a part of those four or five odd new crimes that we'd never faced. People shooting other people on the streets as the laser man, uh, the gang building, uh, Hells Angels coming to our country. It was one, one new odd thing that we had to face because this was when everybody was have troubling with, with, with the money, the economics. At that point, it was just another proof that this country is going in the wrong direction. But we didn't know that that one hit was supposed to last for three years, a hunt after faceless uh, robbers. No. And what they didn't know either was, was that in that living room, when they start to planning the next robbery, uh, the plan was to do it better with w- more violence and to disappear better than anybody, uh, any group uh, or any robber had disappeared from the crime scene before. It, it was, you know, that, that they started to plan the next robbery in that, yeah, almost directly after the first hit because they hadn't get more money from it. And Stefan, this boiling violence that Anders talks about in the suburbs, this, this sense of things coming to the boil, that, that was nowhere more true than in, in your father himself, the very person who'd essentially created this gang accidentally in, in childhood. Tell us a bit about his background. Yeah, my father came from Yugoslavia, ex-Yugoslavia. He came to Sweden in 62. Uh, he was a refugee uh, from Yugoslavia. From the civil war? Uh, no, from, from, from the, uh, you know, in the 60s in Yugoslavia, it was a lot of political uh, uh, um, conflicts between, you know, uh, Tito was a socialist and, and uh, you had a, uh, a right wing from the war called Ustasha. It was uh, uh, who, and from the Second World War. And it was a lot of conflicts in Yugoslavia after the Second World War that uh, Tito was trying to handle. And uh, in that conflict, my father was... Uh, uh, I don't really know so much about my father because my father, he didn't want to talk about his past. He, my father's past is a mystery for me. He never talked about it because he talked about it then. And when we ask as kids... He just want to talk about it. He said, that's my life. You have nothing with that to do. You know, that was his attitude against. Uh, so when he escaped from Yugoslavia in 62, he came to Austria, Austria. And from Austria, 
his plan was to go to uh, Australia because a lot of Ju- uh, Yugoslavians was uh, going to Australia uh, when they uh, escaped from Yugoslavia. So, but he was out and he was drinking with his best friend Dan, and they missed the bus to Australia, so they had to take the bus to Sweden. That's the story. So he went to Sweden in '62, and he met my mother uh, at this news Grönalund uh, uh, amusement called, park amusement park in Stockholm, and um, yeah. At the box, what do you call it? The book, boxing ball, the the, yeah, the, the punch ball. Yeah, she told me that she saw my father for the first time when he hit the punch ball, punching it so hard that the meter hit the roof. Like, and um, after a while, she realized that he hit other things too, especially uh, when he was drunk, when he was drinking alcoholic. So, uh, but uh, they met there and uh, they get married and um, so. And what was their relationship like? When he came to Sweden, he didn't want to talk about his past. He wanted to start something new. He wanted to start build his own family, build his own clan. And in the beginning, my mother told me that he was, when he didn't dr- uh, drink alcoholic, he was a very, very, very good man in the beginning. He really wanted to do something right. But in the same time, if, if anybody said something wrong to him, he hit them like, it, because that was his la- language. It, it, it was like, you don't arguing with him, you fight with him. If somebody arguing with him, he fight that guy. That was his way of thinking. But when he didn't do that, when he was trying to be a normal man in Sweden and uh, with his firstborn child in the beginning, my mother told me that he really tried to be something good, but he couldn't handle that life, kind of life. And in the novel, uh, the relationship between Ivan, your father, and Britt Marie, uh, your mother, uh, is is incredibly moving and upsetting in the way that seeing any form of emotional abuse, which is what we really yes. see in the book, is. Um, let's hear a little bit of their relationship. Britt Marie is still standing in the hallway as the door closes and steps disappear down the stairwell. Her legs try to bend and her body wants to collapse on the floor as if they just can't take any more drunken aggression. But they don't because she's decided that they won't. Leo, Felix, Vincent, go to your rooms. And why should they do that? Because I want to talk to you, Ivan, alone. You, do you know what our son did today? Now, when Papa holds it up, she sees the jacket, one shoulder of which was facing the wall, with a broad scarf hanging over it. The hole is even bigger now. Even Papa's fingers can fit through it. He defended himself. Us, our honor. Leo stood there facing a knife for our sake. You can speak, Brit Marie, do it. But then you speak to us, all of us. We are a family. If you believe that your son did the wrong thing today, you tell him in front of all of us. Leo didn't do anything wrong, Ivan. Her legs won't give way because she's made a decision. You did something wrong. Me. Papa drops the jacket, but not his hand. I taught our son to defend himself. And if Hassa's father reports this to the police, he moves closer. For what? You threatened him, Ivan. There are no witnesses, right? He looks at her, at their three sons. Did anyone here hear me threaten Hassa's father? Any of you? Or is my wife the only cop in here? He looks at his eldest son the longest. Leo, did you? Did you hear that? 
and waits until he gets an answer. No, Papa, I didn't hear anything. But I heard it, Ivan. Mama is standing close to Papa, close to Papa's hand, but she doesn't care. I heard you threaten him, and I can repeat exactly what you said. Are you going to snitch on me? He moves his hand closer until it is almost touching her face. Snitch? Is that what you are going to do? No, Papa! Felix runs towards Papa and Mama and the hand that shakes in front of her face. Papa, you can't! Papa! You will never turn against my family again. So we have this this father figure, Ivan, uh, who has come from a fled Yugoslavia. Other people were coming into the country, but other elements were coming into the country too. Crime elements were coming into Sweden at the time. What kind of effect was the uh, conflict in Yugoslavia having on Sweden? I don't think especially Yugoslavia was having an effect. I think uh, we were trying to be an open country because we should be an open country. That's how it should work. And uh, since we were quite unfamiliar with uh, organized crime at that point because we didn't have any gangs a lot of different mafias were created in Stockholm city uh, fighting about the power and of course one of them was the Yugoslavian mafia and that became very strong they created their own rules for a while there and I find it sort of as a strange thing to think about that this is actually the same time that the civil war starts in 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 Yugoslavia the Yugoslavian mafia is starting here and uh, even Stefan's brothers being half Yugoslavian starting their civil war against the Swedish uh, society and and how did the you mentioned there were various mobs one of which was Yugoslavian i'm sure there were other nationalities and probably Swedish as well how did these mafia gangs uh, react to the arrival of three young bank robbers who were aged, you know, around 20, the youngest 17. How did they react? The thing is that they didn't react at all because nobody knew about these guys. They were faceless. They were without criminal records. They were not known inside a prison or outside a prison. They were just unfamiliar. So it was slowly robbery after robbery they were taking their place and uh, I think there was a mix between competition and admiration every criminal sort of admires another if they actually complete uh, uh, such an intellectual uh, uh, robbery that this was it was escapes full-ended they, they were so there were room enough for different gangs uh, and room for this gang as well. And let's not forget that this gang were basically kids. They were student age. They were, yeah. they, and you yourself were a student at the time. This is not hardened criminals, you know, in their 30s and 40s who have been doing this for decades. These are kids, really. And you, Stefan, could have been part of that. Yes. Uh, matter of fact, I, I really I, I asked my brother after that first uh, robbery against that armed car uh, when I could, you know, I felt outside and I asked him if I could be in the next robbery. 
could be a part of it. You asked to join the gang? I asked him, I asked my older brother Leo to join the gang. And what did he say? Okay. Made in Sweden was presented by Ed Wood. The authors were Anders Rosland and Stefan Thunberg, and the producer was Gavin Osborne. The Father by Anton Svensson and published by Sphere is available from Waterstones and all other good bookshops. The audio book, recorded and produced by Chatterbox Audio, is available from Audible now. The Made in Sweden podcast series was recorded at the RNIB Studios with post-production by Chatterbox Audio. This has been a Nashet Audio production. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.